0: Ladies and gentlemen, the house is now
1: open. The house is now open. Thank you. You're listening to Unseen Theatrics with Clinton Kamak.
0: Hello and welcome to today's episode. Needing a love for the medium you're working in, which could include dance, opera, plays or musical theatre. Being highly organised, managing time and people that make up teams, making sure that all the technical aspects of the show are achieved within the budget allocated. Today, I am talking with a production manager. Having worked extensively as a stage manager for years, before saying she was good with money, which landed her first job as a production manager in 1998. She continues to do this job, having worked with Brink Productions, Adelaide Festival of Ideas and the Theatre Republic, just to name a few. Please welcome Francoise to Unseen Theatrics podcast for today. Hi, Francoise. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks, Clinton. How are you?
0: (laughs) Uh, Very good, very good, thank you. We're talking about production management today, but first I just want to get one of your thoughts on a a topic. Why do you think theatre is important for people?
1: Live theatre is made by people who are interested in communicating to other people uh, an experience in an immediately physical way, I think, and I think that's what people look for when they come to the theatre or to an event And I think it's that sort of physical aspect, that closeness to performers that makes it such a special um, medium. So I think being in the room with a lot of other people, some of whom you don't know, Mm. watching sometimes local performers, sometimes visiting performers, you know, hopefully at the top of their game, (laughs) creates a very different experience to watching something at home, I think.
0: Yes, totally. So talking about production managing now, what do you think are some of the personal qualities that someone needs to be a good production manager?
1: Personally, I think you really need to love the medium you're working in. If you don't love the medium, whether it's theatre, dance, opera, you may as well work as a very good production manager in any other field, such as, you know, printing, engineering, that kind of thing. My personal loves the theatre and contemporary dance. And then in terms of your sort of skills, professional skills, you need to be organised. You need to be good with people, especially teams, being able to make teams work together. I think you need to know your strengths and where you might need help, depending on the budget always. And you need to be a good time manager and you need to be good with money. And I think the other thing is, It helps if you are good with understanding the creative process and where it is that you might have something to to offer to the creative process.
0: Okay, moving on from the personal qualities, what roles and responsibilities does the production manager have?
1: All the technical aspects of a show you're handed a budget, which you often have had no hand in creating, and you have to use that budget to make sure that all the production aspects that you've been asked to provide can be satisfied within those finances. And you can often reallocate some of that budget across different lines if required. So some of the things that you do, you can help to find a rehearsal room You make sure that all the creative team uh, are getting what they want to achieve their vision. Mm -hmm. You liaise the organising of the builds of sets, costumes, props, all this with the designer or designers depending on how many there are. You find set builders, costume makers, the stage management team, production crew, whether that's when work's needed in the rehearsal room or once you go in the theatre, you make up a production schedule that begins at the design presentation, which can be many months before the show goes into rehearsals Mm -hmm. and the production schedule then goes all the way through to the last performance, the bump out and the returns of any production aspects. You keep records of any sourcing or technical information in case the show Is touring or is likely to tour? So you're basically overlooking all the production aspects from a practical point of view. Yeah. So working with each of the designers, working with the directors and with the stage management team very closely to make sure that they've got what they need.
0: That will certainly keep you uh, busy.
1: Yes. Yes, so basically you're working with the entire creative team to make sure that they're getting what they want in terms of their artistic vision but also always going back to the budget. Yeah. A lot of these things that I'm talking about really depend on the kind of budget and the size of the production. So you can work with a very an independent theatre company where there's a very tight budget to, you know, a state theatre company where there is more money and that sort of thing.
0: Totally. Okay. You've just talked about dealing with people and creatives and directors and stage managers and all those those types of people. I'm sure at some point with creative differences there's disputes that come up. How do you handle these?
1: If the disputes or disagreements or whatever they are are between members of the creative team, those usually get referred back up to the producer the person who handles the creative contracts and the money. Yep. It's not usually up to the production manager to resolve those. Yep. You might, however, have to deal with some conflicts with, in, say, the stage management team or crew members. Yep. One of the ways to get around that from the very beginning is to try, if you can, if you got that power to employ people that you already know, whose way of working you know and understand, and by creating teams of people who come back to each other and to work with each other, um, I find that that's very rare now for me um, because most of the time I get to pick who is on my production team. Yes, yes, that's the um
0: the whole networking to to get jobs and if you work well people will rehire you and and bring you back.
1: A- absolutely. And now having said that, for example, I would never contract a stage manager without checking with the director, for example, that they were happy with that person yep. in case they had some issue and I guess the great thing about having been around for some time now is that I'm part of a network of people who kind of trust each other's opinions. so if I can't find somebody there are other people I can call and say you know do you know somebody Hmm. who could do this job and I know that if that person tells me you should have that person or you should try that person even perhaps if they're young and not very experienced, to give them a go. That's the other thing. So, yes, the networking is very, very important. Yes, yes.
0: And I and I do like that you just mentioned uh, hiring a young person and giving them a go because so often these days it's we need someone with experience and the only way to get experience is for someone to give them a go.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think if you're working on a big production, I mean, say for stage management, if you're working on a big production You can give people a go as, you know, assistant stage managers, for example. It's harder to give them a go as stage managers. Mm -hmm. And then on smaller productions, sometimes I can say to the director or the producer, I think it would be great to give this person a go. They've got everything it takes. They just need experience. And then I take it on that I would be there to, you know, help that person if needed.
0: Yes. Kind of be a mentor as well.
1: Yes. I think uh, one of the things in our industry is that there's no formal, no real formal mentor sort of system, which is kind of okay. But I think that sometimes it would be nice if we could sort of acknowledge that some people would really benefit from having someone they could just call even. I mean, I always say to people, when I've worked with them, if you ever need any advice or any tips or if you need that spreadsheet that I use to just call me and try and do that. And within... The group of stage managers and production managers say in Adelaide, we're all very open to that sort of thing, mm. no, knowing that we'll do that for each other. So that works on a as a mentor kind of system, you know, for someone more experienced, to someone less experienced. But we also do that across the board with each other, whatever our level of experience. Yeah, cool. You actually just brought this up,
0: paperwork which was a lovely segue into what paperwork do you need to produce and also keep up to date in managing a production or a show?
1: The two most important things are a production schedule, Mm -hmm. which I mentioned earlier, you start from when the design presentation to the very end, to everything's been returned. That holds everyone accountable to how you're going to use the time that you have. I would create that and then I would circulate it to all the creative team and any key crew that I might have on a show. So if I were staffing the theatre, the venue crew, because we don't always get to do that. Obviously, sometimes we go into a venue where the crew is assigned to us. And then you send it to the production coordinator, but definitely to all the creative team, the stage management team for everyone to look at and give feedback on. So that by the time you get to the theatre, nobody should turn around and say, I thought I had more time to do X.
0: You've nipped that in the bud before you get there.
1: Yeah. And the other thing you put in the production schedule, not a version you necessarily share with everyone. If you've got crew, do all the crew costs from that. Yes. So that's the production schedule. And the other really important thing is an expenses spreadsheet. Okay. So... Usually when you're given a budget, you're told you, the designers are told what they have to spend. A set designer may have so many thousands of dollars or so many hundreds of dollars, depending on the show. Yes. If there's a separate costume uh, designer, the lighting and the sound designers all have an amount of money. mm mm-hmm to spend. And then as we spend that money, I have a spreadsheet where I put in all the expenses against those budget lines. Yes, And one of the things that happens there is that in the build process, the rehearsal process, one of those designers may not need as much as has been budgeted. Mm -hmm. That's more often technical if we're in a venue that has a lot of gear and we don't have to hire so much but it can happen with any of the designers in which case we have a discussion with everyone about reallocating some of that money. And usually we can just do that without checking with the producer as long as I keep the whole budget, production budget under or in. And then if you have specific items where you know that there's a potential blowout, you go back to the producer and say. Is it possible to have more money or not? Yes. And sometimes there's a bit of something that's been saved on another area and sometimes it isn't. And so you have to address it in a different way.
0: Find an alternative.
1: Yeah. So they're the two main things that I would have. Yep. The other paperwork. So we would have during the rehearsal process and in the lead up production um, meetings. So there'll be agendas and possibly minutes You know, every time we have a meeting, we see how things are progressing. So it's good to have that. As we start to rehearse and into the theatre to keep a packing list, a returns list. So if we borrow or hire anything, it's in the one place. In the kind of work that we do, where a lot of people are freelance, sometimes Mm -hmm. their contract will finish on the last night or one extra day for a stage manager. And then everyone's gone. A high company might ring and say, "What happened? You know You return you know everything except these two items mm-hmm. it's very annoying when that happens, so you try to prevent that so often it's the stage manager and the production manager who do most of this hiring borrowing mm-hmm. But if you work on smaller shows with not a lot of money, the designer might bring lots of stuff from home, for example. So you just need to make sure that the props list or the costumes list says where everything came from. Uh, A risk assessment. So the risk assessment is obligatory if you work in uh, big theatres. So, for example, the Adelaide Festival Centre will expect you to do a risk assessment. Smaller venues may not ask for one, but it's absolutely imperative that you just do one whether someone asks you for one or not. Because then you've thought of all the things that could be an issue and you've dealt with them and you don't get caught out because ultimately, even if the venue hasn't asked you, you will still be liable if something goes wrong. Uh, And you want to show that you've considered things, that you've discussed things with the creative team. The stage manager, again, is really important in that process Mm -hmm. because they're in the rehearsal room and they'll tell you things like, you know, since you saw something in the rehearsal room yesterday, Joe is jumping off a ladder that wasn't there the day before. Yeah. That sort of thing. And then the last really big piece of paperwork, which I try to compile as we go, is the technical specifications document. And that is more for the future. If you already know that a show is going to be touring, then it's imperative that you keep that document. If you People wish that show would tour it's a good idea to just take notes so that when if somebody calls you six months later and says we've been offered a tour to regional South Australia you just pull up as much of that information as you can Mm. And that tells everyone what's needed to remount a show.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. And I guess you you don't necessarily make them, but you'd see uh, rehearsal reports and show reports as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. So when those are written, they're sent to the creative team. So they're written by the stage management team, uh, usually the stage manager, and they are then distributed to myself, Um, the creative team, perhaps the producer, just to have them on file. And they will, sometimes they'll just say, a great day's rehearsal. Thank you, everyone. And sometimes they will say, uh, we now need three handheld microphones by this, you know, date, whatever. So these things are all written down by the stage manager, but often then we'll talk, say, you know, that night or the next day Mm -hmm. together about getting that stuff in the rehearsal room. But they're a good record that the stage management has been told about things that are required. And then I would liaise with the particular area, the particular designer and go, you know, exactly what do you need? And when do we need it? And do we need it in the theatre? That kind of thing. Yep. Then the show reports are more obviously about how the show went. Uh, but again, um, things to follow up. Yes. Dresses that need to be repaired or shoes that need to be sent to be repaired or that kind of thing. And mm. then any untoward accident that then need to be addressed in accident report forms, which again, it's usually the stage managers who complete those documents and then pass them up. The churn Okay, cool.
0: I hope you're enjoying today's episode, and if you are, spread the word. Let everyone know about Unseen Theatrics, sharing education of live theatre. We touched on a little bit there about about rehearsals. Is there anything else that you want to add about what you do during the rehearsal process?
1: So during the pre-production apart from the production schedule, the budgets, the venue hiring, all that kind of thing, yep. you're kind of asking a lot of questions about what, how things are going if everybody's got what they need. Yep. In the rehearsal period, it's interesting because you don't have to be there every day watching, but you have to obviously be on call. Yep. Um, you'll definitely go in weekly for a production meeting, which is attended by the all of the creative team and the stage manager. Yep. So they happen maybe one or two before the rehearsals and then once a week during the rehearsals until we go in the theatre. Yep. Um, So really during the rehearsals, we're just managing all those aspects, making sure they're ticking over. Yep. Making sure to follow up the stage manager reports And the rehearsal schedule, which is put together by the director and the stage managers with their stage manager's help, that's tracking. And then just making sure that you're there for the director, for the creative and for the stage manager. I'm very keen to always be available for the stage manager. Let them run the room, but for them to know that you are around.
0: Okay. Before we move on, is there anything else in pre-production or rehearsal that, we have missed
1: i think the, there's a lot of sourcing that goes on okay sometimes the designers will source the material but uh, or items but then they'll tell you about them and then you have to go and purchase them hire them do all the bookings that sort of thing so there's a lot of that yep and there's a lot of questions being asked uh, for example if you have to book say wardrobe staff if you're having to make get the costumes made yourself and they're not if you're not working for a company that has a wardrobe department yep then you have to ask a lot of questions about the design for example is it going to be more bias because it's contemporary is it a period play So we need someone who knows how to make period costumes or alter period costumes. They're very different skills. Okay. So knowing who's around Adelaide, who's available, who can do what is really, uh, again, really important. Again, with the lighting and the sound designers, making sure you know what they need, being on top of what the venue's got, or making sure that those people are on top of what the venue's got. They'll ask you that, can you get me the tech specs for the venue? So you would do all of that liaising with the production coordinator at the venue yep. and make sure you've got all that information. Yep. You know, if you're looking at a budget that's not really large seeing who can borrow things who can call in favors yeah i try not to do that too often because uh, it's great if you can give people money for hiring mm. and then making sure you use all your relationships with your own creative team about what they might be able to access through their own channels okay if people say i can take care of it like i'll kind of go yeah can you make that first call and make sure that's okay to borrow from somebody but then I like to follow it up and take care of the practicality of getting it to the theatre or to the rehearsal room and making sure it's returned. Mm -hmm. And then I also know that it will be there when we need it and returned when we're finished with it.
0: Yes, yeah, so managing logistics.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, basically.
0: Now that we've made it through pre-production and the rehearsal process, what does your first day of bumping look like?
1: Rewinding just a bit. in the last week of rehearsals, we would have done some runs of the show, which all the creative team and uh, often myself or the production manager will attend. So we get a really good idea of the flow of how things are used. That's so just last minute checks. Yep. Then we pack up the rehearsal room. If we're lucky enough to have had the set in the rehearsal room, we obviously have to pack that up, yep. but it might be being made off stage and we're just using a markup in the rehearsal room, yeah, organize that transport to the venue mm-hmm. so the bump in will usually start around well usually around eight o'clock in the morning, and I would work very closely to the production schedule to start off with, and that would have um, have the detail of. Who's doing what at what time? What crew are coming in? Yep. And it's very dependent on, again, the budget and the venue. A venue that has a grid means that people can be rigging lights above and builders can be building the set on the stage. If you don't have that and you've got a set that's in the way of the lights, you have to rig the lights first. Mm. We will have had all those conversations in the production meetings. We'll have worked all that out. But basically we start off by bumping in the lighting, the sound, the set. The stage manager will get the dressing rooms ready, check on the costumes and the props. Mm -hmm. That can take a whole morning into the afternoon. The next thing that will happen will be that we will do a lighting focus So that's lighting has the venue and they will check all the lights and set them up the way the lighting designer has required. Somewhere in there, the composer and or the sound designer will get a nanosecond to test their sound. I say that not flippantly, but unfortunately, that can be what happens. The lighting designer cannot really do anything much except the plan before we get in the theatre, so they get a fairly decent amount of time. Sound is often created earlier and then amended once we're in the theatre if that needs to happen, but a sound designer can sit in rehearsals and in runs and manipulate their soundscape uh, more, more easily. So it'll be a sound check. But we might do a separate sound plot where the sound designer, the composer and the director will listen to each sound cue and make sure that they're doing what they all want, mm-hmm. especially if they're coming out of specific speakers, that kind of thing. Levels, try to set levels. So you do all of that without the cast. Uh, lighting plot, same thing. You, If you do theatre, you do the uh, lighting plot without the cast. Mm-hmm. If you're doing dance, you'll often do a quick lighting plot, but then you will have the dancers in for a recap and tweaking Mm -hmm. because it's so much about the bodies in the space. When you do a lighting plot for theatre, you usually have what's called a walker who will either be the assistant stage manager or some random person like myself. It's a very important job, the one thing I can easily say I don't like doing. So we've done the sound plot, the lighting plot, and then we will do...
0: Does vision get a, a, a sneaky hole in there?
1: If there's vision, vision will often be on at the same time as the lighting plot. Yep. They're a bit like sound. They'll have to be given time to have the venue on their own to do the line-up, that sort of thing, so that they're ready, like the sound. So what we do is we often stagger the crews so that, for example, sound does something while lighting's gone to lunch because then it's quiet and they don't interfere with each other and we might do any kind of vision Again during a break if we can so time is of the essence so the first day we might start at eight go till 11 and then after that we start at nine uh, unless we finished earlier we have to have a 10 hour break yep. after the end of the day before the next day yes so the other thing you can do is if sound has finished they can go earlier and then they can come in earlier the next morning so that's all again in the production schedule uh, and has been worked out um, pretty clearly so that if there is any issue, then you can deal with it. Meanwhile, the set's being bumped in, that's all happened. Sometimes we have to do an overnight call where there might be some set painting that needs to be finished or stuff that couldn't happen until we came in. Uh, a set has to be um, finished off once it's been put together so in those cases uh, a scenic painter might come in at 11 o'clock and will work there doing whatever they need to do everybody else goes home Mm -hmm. usually you try to have another person there either a security person depending on the venue so that the person's not left there on their own but that's quite common as well it can take a couple of days it can take a week if it's a really really big show Mm. the process is fair Fairly similar but the amount of time you have is very different mm. also the size of the venue
0: yeah how do you ensure quality in all of those production areas that you've mentioned
1: a lot of planning a lot of communication as to what people want Employing really good staff, yep. making sure everyone has what they have requested. And then, if it turns out, you know, at the last minute that we've missed something or somebody has an extra request, that's life, isn't it? Then you just have to go, can we afford that? Yes. Who's got it? Get in the car, go and get it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I tend to be doing in that production week, once we've started the bump in and everyone's on their way, is that I'm there to fill the gaps. So if something comes up, or we need more of something, this is how I would do it. Not everyone does that. But I'd go, okay, I'll go because I'm the one person who can be spared. Yes. Because everybody else is getting on with their job. The creative team will be looking after their own crew. Mm -hmm. If I'm about to walk out the door for a few hours, I'll just remind everybody that lunch is at one o'clock in case I'm not there, that sort of thing, because that's what you're doing as well. You're making sure that things are going according to schedule. If they're not, you have to sit down and have a chat, yeah. make sure, sure everybody gets their meal break. So the quality is all about making sure that everyone has what they have and that you are on top of that and always accessible to, to talk about it.
0: Okay, that kind of leads on to the next one of how to develop a good good team.
1: So I'm a very nice person.
0: I can second that.
1: I like people who work hard within reason, as in, you know, we all need our breaks, etc. And also, I think what's really important is if you don't know quite what you're meant to be doing, or you need any help to be able to say that. And so to me, it's very important that I've communicated that to everyone. But especially if you have new people on the team to to make sure that they understand that no question is a dumb question, that kind of thing. Mm. I have a self-managed team motto, which is we never make the same mistake twice. We all make mistakes. But I think it's important, you know, once we've made it, we don't make it again. Yes. I think the other thing about a good team is important to ask, especially the lighting and the sound designers, if they have any preferences for people they like to work with. Okay. If I have to assemble a lighting team to rig the lights and then someone to operate the board, those people are spending quite a lot of time together doing late hours, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think if someone says to me, I really like that person to work with, they're a great or they do you know we get on really well we work really well together then I'm very keen to do that mm-hmm. just to go back a little bit with designers uh, set and costume designers that's more important earlier for things like the set build and the costume build mm. we try and get people that if they've worked with them before that they may uh, have a good relationship with yep because that just makes that communication quicker. I mean, one of my favourite things about this kind of work is working with all these different people who can do things that I can't. I'm very keen to always make people feel comfortable and know that their their work's valued because it's very important. Because, you know, the thing about working backstage in unseen theatrics is that the, the secret really is that we don't want anyone to know we're even there. Yeah, You're doing a bit of a reveal, But the idea is that people should just see the set as it is, the cast, and that what we've done seems effortless, which it isn't, but we want to make it look like that. And so it's really important to know that those people know they're valued while they're doing that work, because it's not part of the brief that you get any accolades
0: Yes, totally, and uh, recognising people for the work that they do is uh, is always a good thing.
1: A good creative team will do that as well, obviously.
0: Yeah, the people thing it is a common thread that people in this industry do it for people and to work with people.
1: Yep, correct. When you work freelance, as many people do, there's also that really great feeling when you can say, oh, I'm going to have those people on my crew. I'm going to get to work with them again. Won't that be great? Yes,
0: moving into tech.
1: So the technical rehearsal where everybody gets together in the theatre and runs through the entire show from the beginning to the end is often where the production manager will be able to sit back in the auditorium and watch and try to keep a low profile. It's run by the stage manager and then the creative team is in the auditorium watching. Mm -hmm. And basically we run from the very beginning to the very end through all the cues, the lighting, the sound, vision cues, if there are any, with the cast or dancers, whoever, the performers on stage. And the way that that works is that you try to start at the beginning and you run whatever you can of it, and then if something isn't quite right, we Somebody will create will shout stop, yep, and we'll work out who has an issue, we'll address that, then we'll click back a little bit. So, if it's dance, we'll you know go back some bars, if it's a play, we'll go back as many lines as we need to then do the run into this next cue. yep. Top and tail, which is um, the term that we use when we just do the cues and then hop to. The next queue and maybe skip things. Top and tailing works fine if you've got a fit, you know, simple script. And, you know, if you've got 10 pages of script where apparently nobody except the cast needs to know what they're doing, you may just hop to the next queue. Mm. Sometimes that is not a time saver because one thing about letting the cast just do what they're meant to do is that they get a, it's the first time they've really been on stage with everything so they get that feeling and that flow and it will often mean that the next cue will come naturally whereas if you hop to something the cast hasn't got that in their head and then they'll be saying oh so where was i here you know, whereas if you just let them do it, they will get there. With dance, it's very difficult to do top and tailing because of the nature of what they're doing. So if possible, I would always encourage a tech rehearsal to be run through Um, and then also if you run out of time towards the end, (laughs) which you pretty much always do. So technical rehearsal will run much longer than the show itself. We have to remember it's the first time that, the lighting designer will have seen the performers in their lighting state. Um, the first time the sound designer will have heard their cues with performers on stage. If it's if they're talking, you know, they might have created natmos, and we all thought it was a really good level. And then the cast starts, and you can't hear them for a while. Yep. There's a lot of fine tweaking yeah. that might go for an afternoon and evening and then another afternoon, for example. Okay. It's also about things for the cast, like being in the theatre and saying, oh, I thought there was an entrance between these two bits of masking and we go, oh, well, that's not what we drew up in the rehearsal room or actually, oh, sorry, yes, that should be that and then dealing with that. So sometimes there are things where you can do, take notes and fix it up when the cast is gone. Yeah, And sometimes it's things that you have to resolve right away. Okay. Uh, it's the most gruelling, stressful part, I think, often of a bump in because everyone's there. Hmm. You don't want to keep people waiting. It's the time where you find out that maybe things you thought were working are not working so well. Yep. And for the performers, there are lots of times when they might be sitting around while we fix a lighting or a sound cue and they just have to, you know, be quiet on stage and that can be, you know, difficult. Mm-hmm.
0: If there are things that need fixing that you can't necessarily fix on during tech run in your schedule, you've allowed for a little bit of tech time or some spare time so the technicians can come back the next day and fix that up and make a few adjustments.
1: Yes. So usually what happens is that we work a 12-hour day and the cast is often only called in the afternoon and the evening. Mm -hmm. So we would usually do any tech fix-ups in the morning and then finish the tech rehearsal and then depending on what's happening next in the day, whether there's more ticking or a dress rehearsal, then there'll be lots of scurrying around uh, in the bits of time that I've allowed around things. Mm-hmm. If you have any
0: questions, contact me via the Unseen Theatrics Facebook page or at unseentheatrics at gmail.com. How do you respond and manage working under pressure? Because with so many different departments, possibly wanting your attention or needing things, how do you deal with that little bit of, of stress, so to speak?
1: I'm quite good at it, but yes, sometimes you kind of go, ah. Um, so I think it's about being there the whole time and paying attention to me, um, because you're not actually doing much by then, you are watching, but it's about thinking, oh, this seems to be an issue, you know, is there someone around who can take care of that or is everybody busy? Do I need to go and get something? Uh, And then starting to think about how that next morning, that tech morning will run with the tech notes, like making lots of notes and thinking about who needs to come in at 9, who could come in at 10, do I have to go at 8 o'clock to, you know, JCAR and get something getting all that information because I wouldn't know what anyone's talking about, but I can go and buy it, that sort of stuff. We've done things like gone to a prop maker's place after a show at 11 o'clock at night to deliver something so that they can get up the next morning and fix it so we can pick it up before the afternoon. You know, Mm. I'm very keen not to make people work ridiculous hours. It's completely not useful. And I guess because I'm not running the show, It's easier for me to go and do those jobs, you know, at Mm. eleven o'clock at night, go do that drop-off because I don't have to concentrate the way, say, the stage manager has to concentrate. Yeah. But yeah, so it's about thinking about what's going on, what are the issues, and when are we going to fix them and who we're going to need. Like, you know, it could be that we need to call in some extra crew the next morning. Who is that? Can I start to call someone now to see if they're available? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we might who book somebody especially if we're doing shows not in a step you know in a venue that has their own crew you might say to someone look i think i might need you tomorrow morning that kind of thing mm-hmm. so i think it's about just being aware watching what everyone's doing and just asking you know like in tea breaks how's everyone going
0: yeah. Always thinking ahead and and trying to, to be one step ahead of everybody else.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing you're watching is looking at all the things that have not necessarily been fixed, but need to be fixed and having that list. So at the end of the night of, say, that first technical rehearsal, you might get all the creative team to sit down and go quickly, you know, how do we think we're going? And then if somebody says, oh that masking upstage needs something it's nice if you've already made that note and go yeah I've got that we'll look at it in the morning but if I haven't then it's fine I just add it but Mm. it's good to know that reassures people if you can say oh yeah it's I've got that yeah so you just have to be on your toes really like a dancer if only like a dancer yes
0: We've done our tech run and we've done all of our fix-ups and that and we move into a dress run. Are you still mainly sitting in the auditorium? Do you What responsibilities do you have during this time?
1: Again, uh, trying to leave it to the stage manager to run the stage they know what time they're meant to start the run. Uh, knowing if things are being a bit delayed, it's usually small things will be happening and people are fixing things. So trying not to interfere, but just being there. So if there is a thing, they can say, what do we do here? Yep. Sometimes you haven't had time to finish the tech run and you might have you know, a few scenes left. And I always encourage people to still start the dress run as planned because um, otherwise it just keeps getting delayed and delayed. And what might happen there is that we might start the dress rehearsal, which is where we try to do the show as per the show with all the cues, all the costume changes, everything as per the requirements yep. so that we at least get all that lead in. And sometimes we get to those last few scenes and we find that there's a lot less technical stuff to do to do. But if there is, we stop then and everybody feels like they've had a really good crack at the play or the show. And then you might go, okay, this is as much as we've done. Let's continue and try and fit that into what we've got left of the session. Often sitting near the director so they can just give you notes so that they don't have to tell you again. And after the dress rehearsal, everybody will go into the green room and the director will run through all their notes, whether it's technical notes or cast notes. We tend to do that in order. Or the director might just go, we have to look at LX27 and then you'll make that note so you can talk about that the next morning. So you concentrate on the cast, then you try to let them go. Yeah. And then you've put some time the next morning to look at some of those things and fix them up. Okay. Yeah. So the thing you have to do really quickly after the dress run, if it's the end of the day, is to make sure that you talk to the director about what they're likely to want to do the next day sometimes if it's not another rehearsal about the fix-ups and get the crew before they go home, make sure that you've spoken to them and said, you know, sound needs to be in at 9 and lighting needs to be in at 10. Then people can go home and know what their calls are the next day because they can be different depending on all the things that are going well or not so well. You know, if there's a set painter coming in who needs to do something, then maybe you do that at the same time as sound because... Cynic artists tend not to make any noise and they need light and sound is always happy to do whatever it is in lighting uh, in um, in light yep so that's the other thing you're juggling around in that scheduling that you're doing you know at 11 o'clock at night yes it's the magic hour 11 o'clock that's when everybody's <laughs> meant to go home and you go ah okay what do we do now what are we doing tomorrow
0: Yep, it's time to start work yeah do you have any other words on on dress run? You're you're sorted with dress.
1: So we might do several dress runs, that's the other thing. You know, if there's time, if it's a shorter play or mm-hmm. often I'll be looking by then at the whole venue and the whole stage and making sure that everything looks schmick. So the director and the designer will often Also look at those things, but sometimes if they're really looking at the stage and the performance, you know, there might be other things. So making sure that if there's any draping, it looks nice and it's been sandbagged if that's what we're doing. Make sure we can't see any wires and, you know, if somebody's using a white power board that the white power board's been hidden by, all those really little things that make something look really special because that's the stuff that distracts the creative team and will ultimately uh, distract the audience if they see that sort of thing and also always looking at the safety aspects so making sure backstage that everything's been uh, signposted if there are hazards you know doing white arrows with dance into the wings so the dancers know where to go and then getting say the backstage crew if they're not on all the time to help with all those bits and pieces uh, and then ticking them off that what seems to always be an endless list of fixings yes but then that's it as that process goes on the production manager has hopefully less to do yes so then after
0: dress we move into shows so what's your typical show day if you're working on a show that has multiple performances
1: just say, you know, the show's in the first show, like maybe a preview or the first show is in the evening. We would probably still be there pretty much all day. Yep. We might, uh, so in the morning, we might again be doing tech fixings. Yep. It depends on the director. They may say, let's give the cast the day to rest and get ready for the show. Or they may say, it'd be great if everybody came in for a couple of hours late in the afternoon, did a bit of stuff. Yep. And then when it had their you know, their dinner break and then came back for the show. So uh, again, it's about being there, making sure that everything's as it should be, everything's prepared. The stage manager will often, you know, be around as well. And then whatever crew you need, always remembering that depending on if you're paying people by the hour, if you haven't scheduled them, then you don't need to pay them. But often you can call them in if you need them at the last minute. So uh, having your eye on the budget if possible. There are lots of things to do with crew and awards that you need to know for that sort of thing, you know, how to treat them, how much they get paid, what kind of breaks. Yep. Being on top of that award is really whatever relevant or what it is, wherever you are, is really, really important. Yeah. So on that first show day, a lot of people will already be around depending on what's happened in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then we will do the show and then we will, if it's preview, then we will again do notes after the run, the show. Yeah. And then if it's the opening night, then there are no notes, everybody goes and usually has an opening night function of some kind. Yep. The stage manager and the, sh- the show crew they might st- have to stay later uh, after the show to reset the stage, you know, get the costumes to wardrobe. If you've got a really small team, the stage manager may have to do wardrobe as well or get it to someone else. Yep. Lighting will usually just power down the sound similarly unless something's gone wrong, in which case you might have to address it there and then or say let's come in tomorrow with a clear head. And then, of course, it very much depends on what's happened on stage. You know, if you've had blood, if you've had mud, if you've had snow falling out of the grid, a lot of that stuff you'll often clean up that night, the post-show clean up, so that when you come in the next day, you've done all of that cleaning. So it very much depends on the show. Sometimes you just pick up the three whiskey glasses, take them to the kitchen, wash them, and that's your post-show. Reset. Yeah. And then basically, you're doing show calls. A stage manager might come in an hour and a half, two hours before the show starts, depending on how much they have to do before the show, depending on how keen they are. The lighting, the sound, the AV crew will usually be called a now before the show starts unless is um, a very big technical reason why they need to come earlier and then they'll do all their show checks make sure all the lights work the sound system works that kind of thing yeah and then everybody the stage manager will check in with everyone and then traditionally you open the house 15 to 20 minutes before the show starts, in which case everything on stage needs to be finished. Unless you're doing a show that has a curtain, in which case you may still potter about, but that's just risky then. Yeah. But the stage manager is running all of that by then. And once opening night is done, usually the sound the production manager doesn't come to every performance. Okay. We'll be on call pretty much. Yep. Yeah. I might check in and that kind of thing. But if the stage manager's happy and everybody's happy, you're just going to get in the way.
0: Okay. What are some of the day-to-day tasks to keep the show running?
1: Once the show is on, the production manager hopefully doesn't have too much to do if it's the show is just in the one venue doing one season and that's it. Yep. What I would be doing by then is I'd be thinking of the bump out. I'll have started to think of the bump out way before then, of course, especially transport. You know, if we have a three-week season, for example, like if you were at State Theatre, you've got that time to look at your schedule and make sure you've got the right crew because it's quite a few weeks away. But you get onto it pretty quickly because people will want to know. Yes. And then if you have to book a truck... And then if you're storing the set, you have to make sure you can get into the storage, wherever that's going to be, access, um, where is it even going? You're thinking about the end. If the producer said to you, you know, we got a call from somebody, they want to, they're thinking of presenting the show, you'll get cracking on the touring specifications, the technical specifications that give you all the information about the show. And you put that together with the producer usually, but most of it is technical. And then I use all that time to make sure I've got all the documentation and that I've archived everything, the lighting plan, the set plans, the designs, all that kind of thing.
0: Okay. You get all final copies of that from the designers and creatives. Yeah. Put it in a nice folder to give to producers or, or whoever.
1: You know, like all the lighting and the sounds will be electronic, Yep. If you'd known already you were going to tour, you know, that happens. Sometimes you'll, you'll do a show here and it all have been picked up right away to say go to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. While you were doing all that work, you would have also been getting ready for your next venue. Yep. That's an added layer. I've done new shows where we bumped out a brand new show in Adelaide on a Saturday night and then we bumped it in, say, to Melbourne on the monday so you'll have done all that communication with the other venue yes while you were putting this show together yeah so that's a lot of liaising with that other venue and they're all asking you all this information about the show that you don't know because it's a brand new production and you haven't even got the answer yeah so basically as soon as it's up you make sure that you talk to all the creators especially lighting and sound because by then the sets established, you know,
0: Okay. All right. So you touched on it then about bump out and organising the crew and scheduling the bump out and and what needs to happen. You're around for bump out as well?
1: Yes. Yep. So you usually I'll go and see the last show and be there for the bump out. So you've got to make sure you've booked enough people to do the bump out. Again, you will do that with your your last advice. The creative team don't have to be at the bump out. In fact they rarely are. Their job is done, but you know, you can ask them for you know what do you think it might take to do this. Also if you're working in a venue that has its own technicians, you would ask them how long do you think it'll take for us to bump this? sound gear out that kind of thing yeah if you've done a lot of hires you have to work out whether the hiring company can come and pick the gear up that night if you're in a venue where potentially you can leave it till the monday you may put it all somewhere and they may come and you don't necessarily have to be there
0: mm-hmm.
1: you may be working in a venue where you have to get everything out so you then have to get them to come get it or you have to take it with your set and organise that separately. Yep. You may be in a venue where you're allowed to stay till the Monday morning, but you're the person who has to be there at seven o'clock in the morning to let the crew in. I would be doing that then. From then on, so the you know the return of hires, the return of any things you've borrowed, whether you do it then or take it home and get it back to people later. Yeah all those logistics things to do with the venue which you have to be on top of with the venue coordinator. Yeah. That day or the day before I'll call if we've got a freight or you know a local transport company or a freight company if we were going into stay I would call them and make sure they've got everything we've already booked in. Yeah. So when the bumping crew arrive are uh, you brief them about how you think the bump out will run, having worked that out with your lighting and your sound and other crew, you know, so check with them and that kind of thing. Like it's great if people have worked on the bump in, but that's not always possible.
0: Mm.
1: Make sure everybody's got the gear they need, that people aren't on top of each other, and then troubleshooting again. Yeah, and then these bump outs, uh, usually you haven't done them before, so you don't always know how long they're going to take. Sometimes they can take a mighty long time. And what you try to do there is you try to shed crew as their particular job is finished. So you don't need to keep everybody there. If the stage manager has done everything they need to do, they go home, sound finished, go home. And usually it'll be lighting and or the set that will take the longest. Yep. Again, depending on whether you're touring or whether you're using the venue gear or whether you're using high gear that needs to be packed in cases, all those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. As the production manager, I will always stay till the very end of the bump out to make sure that everything's done, finished, the venue's been checked and cleaned up. Yeah. Everything's ready for whoever needs to do pickups, labelled if necessary, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you can be there quite late. Again, it very much depends on the size of your show.
0: Totally. If you like what you're listening to, check out my Facebook page, Unseen Theatrics, for more show notes and links. Sharing education of live theatre. Got the show out, what are the post-production responsibilities?
1: Write up any useful notes, comments for a debrief, if you're lucky enough to work for a company that thinks that's a good idea. Yes. Then write up any technical notes if you're being told the show's likely to tour. Mm-hmm. Reconcile all your expenses. Thank the crew and your main suppliers and your venue. So, you know, send out emails to everybody saying, thanks everyone. That was great. Sometimes we employ the stage manager to be there for an extra day to help with the paperwork and stuff mm-hmm. that they'll have compiled to make sure they get time to you know, file of that and save it on the server. They might have a lot of stuff, their props lists, their scene change lists, all of that. They'll often have that on their own device. So it's really important to make sure that that person has a bit of time to then get it to you, not in their own time because it's actually part of the work. And then make sure you've got all that information about where you sourced materials from, and that you haven't just thrown that receipt out and then, you know, can't think about where you bought it from, all that kind of stuff. So I tried to get all of that happening mm-hmm. and then go on to the next thing or have a little break, depending on what's going on.
0: And start the whole process again, if you haven't already done so.
1: Yep. Yep. And then if you're touring it, you pretty much do the same thing again in the next venue. Obviously the technical rehearsal takes less time, yep. hopefully for actors The stage proportions and placement is pretty much the same. It's a bit different for dancers in every venue because there are different entrances and exits, you know, often with masking and lights in the wings that they have to do what's called a spacing call in every venue where they quickly run through the whole show themselves without the music before we then do a dress rehearsal. Yeah,
0: I know you have a bit of a a passion for sustainability and upcycling in the theatre. Is there any tips you can pass on to people to try and make the theatre environment more sustainable?
1: So the theatre industry, the event industry, you know, is very temporal. We do this thing and then it's gone. Uh, that's one of the really amazing, wonderful things about it. And if we could do it in with thin air, that'd be great, but we can't. We want stuff. So I've been encouraging people to think about that stuff um, more and the repercussions of it. It's a quite a uh, tricky journey because. People have their own ways of sourcing materials. They want particular materials to do particular things. So it's not always possible. So I mention it. I try to bring it up. But one of the ways I have found absolutely have a positive uh, effect in this area is by encouraging people to think about what is happening to all their materials and their set items after their show if they're not storing it. Mm -hmm. I try to encourage people when they're starting a production to think about where everything's coming from and where it's going to end up. Costumes, props, sets, extra materials you didn't use. I created this Facebook page called The French Brace. What I've done with that is that I've encouraged people before they put something in the skip to let me know about it and with as much planning and warning as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I put it up on the page. Sometimes all I do is put up the information and some photos and I'll say, this is available after a bump out and uh, you need to call Clinton on this number. And then I don't do anything else. I just ask people to tell me when it's gone so that I know that things are happening Mm -hmm. The other thing I've been doing uh, is helping various companies, organizations, clean up things like their stores. And again, I don't have to have a lot to do with that, but just saying to them, if you're going to have a big clean out, perhaps you could have an open afternoon for people. If you're not selling, you just want to give it away. And if you send me lots of photos and descriptions, I can put them up on the page and encourage people to go to that thing or to contact you about that stuff. So this has been going on for mm, I think nearly three years and it's used by more and more people um, knowing about it. The thing that's been really interesting is I started it to save theatre and event stuff from just going directly to a waste management place, not necessarily landfill. And so I thought it would be taken up by other theatre people uh, and it has been for sure. Uh, including amateur companies, but also uh, it's been taken up by artists and by a lot of school teachers. Mm. It's been a great thing for me because now I don't think about who might want something. I just put it up on the page or help other people put it up on the page. And then the other thing is that I'm building a website at the moment. And on that website, I will have some information about Where you can recycle things. Okay. And then things about being more sustainable generally in rehearsal rooms, in theatres.
0: Okay. Can you give us a couple of examples of in the rehearsal room and in the theatre?
1: In the rehearsal room, wherever I go, I have a set of eco bins, which are flat packable core flute bins. And there are four of them. One is the red one is landfill, the yellow one is for what you would put in your yellow recycling bin at home. Then the green one is uh, for organics, food, Mm -hmm. and then if people are using compostable cups, that kind of stuff. There's also a paper bin, uh, which I'll often give to the stage manager and they'll just put paper in that. I encourage everybody to use them and then I will ask the stage manager maybe to let me know when they need to be emptied, if that's the case. So that's one of the things, reminding everybody to turn out all the lights when they don't need them on, making sure that you have a battery recycling box Yep. This is an area of contention, but if you're doing a show with lots of batteries, trying to encourage people nowadays to use rechargeable batteries, which I think for a while were not that fabulous, but I think that technology is getting better. We've still got a few things we can't really do much about.
0: Yep. Do you have any tips or tricks for the young aspiring production manager out there? There are
1: not really any courses to do production management. Most of us have gone from being either technical people or stage managers, which means that there tends to be two different kinds of production managers. There'll be someone like me who uh, will be really, I hope, good with the scheduling, the people, the the doing, but technically, you know, if there's a big technical challenge in the show, I will have to get someone else to technically manage that Mm -hmm. and then there are people who are really fantastic technical managers but may not be so great with all the people scheduling there are some people who can do both and you know i admire them a lot So in terms of tips or tricks, I would say think about whether you're the best person for the job or could someone else do it better? You know, don't be afraid to say, this is not my strength. Do I know somebody who can help me? And, you know, if you have to have a bit of a pay cut to pay for that other person, then that's what happens. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in production management, I think it's just see how people are working. And, again, we go back to that idea of mentoring. If you're working with a production manager and you like the way that they work, then let them know that that's what you're interested in doing, you know, if they're up for it, which, you know, I always am, is to get as much information as possible and uh, out of them, experience, you know, maybe they can recommend you for a small job. That's certainly how I got my first gig. I got sent to an interview. I said I was good with money and they said, you've got the job. And I'd never, ever done it before. This applies to any job, really. You know, don't be afraid to ask people for help or advice, yep. uh, you know, within reason. Be polite and nice to everyone, everyone. I can't stress that enough in any job, but with a production manager, you will need that security person to let you into the building after hours because somebody's left something behind. You will need the cleaner because there's been a spill and you can't fix that carpet, whatever. So I don't mean to be, you know, utilitarian, but if you just run your work like that, then it's very easy to get help when you need it. Yep. And otherwise you just have a good time getting to know lots of people. The last one is to really enjoy the people you're working with because this is a really incredible industry with some very talented people who can do, in my case, lots of stuff I can't do. Uh, And I just love to, you know, work with them and see them in action and hopefully help them make their vision come to life.
0: Yeah, nice. That wraps it up, Francoise. So thank you much, Lee, for coming on and chatting about being a production manager. Um, I've certainly learned a couple of things and I hope the listeners have as well. So uh, thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks, Clinton.
0: Thanks for listening to this, my last episode for this series. Many thanks to all you listeners who have been listening for the last 14 weeks. Don't forget to join the Unseen Theatrics Facebook page, where I'll continue to share education of live theatre. I would like to do another series and explore more roles within the theatre environment. Stay tuned to the Facebook page for more information. I've enjoyed each and every chat that I've had, and thank my guests for sharing information about what they do. I'll talk to you again when the new series comes out. And again...